In most situations, when it takes months, you have not fallen in love. You've learned to tolerate them. You've grown attached to them. That's a quote from Stefan Speaks, and it's how he answered Lewis Howes during an interview they had on the School of Greatness podcast. Listen for more on how to tell if you've healed from a past relationship, if compatibility and chemistry are all that matters, and why you might be using sex as a distraction from moving on. It's Tracy. Thanks for being here. And welcome to another replay of the day on this episode of Invisible You, a podcast for women over 40 living courageously. I had a hard time deciding which part of the conversation to share because, well, really the whole thing was good. And as the title suggests, and you might have guessed, it's filled with all kinds of practical dating tips and tools, if that's where you are right now. But what held my attention most was the focus on the behind the scenes work, the work that needs to get done before you can even consider meeting someone new. Or as Tom Bilyeu, host of Impact Theory and One of my favorite podcasters would say how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. And it's taken me about, well, let's just say a number of years (laughs) to figure out that no one outside myself has the ability to make me feel good about who I am. There's no one out there to complete me. There's no void that can be filled by another person. And no guy is going to make me feel whole. Only I have that power. And only I can take it away. Now, in the interview, Stefan talks a lot about the healing process, both from old relationships, but also past traumas that we have, because, well, one isn't necessarily separate from the other. And the relationship that I have with myself, largely created from previous experiences and outdated stories I've told myself, it has a direct impact on the relationship that I have with other people. And This is something I definitely felt in my life as someone who tends to be extremely hard on myself, really critical and judgmental. And unfortunately, I ended up projecting that towards those closest to me. I mean, no one could measure up to my standards. I couldn't even measure up to my standards. And most of the time, I didn't even realize I was doing it. My kids might come home with an A on their paper, super excited and wanting me to celebrate with them. But rather than congratulating them, I'd ask, well, why'd you miss that question? What happened? And that was a continual pattern for me growing up with an emphasis on what I did wrong versus what I did right. You know, obviously, I started out with pretty critical parents and then I got married and that shit just 10x. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. If you have that one person in your life where nothing's ever good enough, aka you're not good enough. And no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you just can't win. The longer you're around them and the more you try pleasing them, because that's what we do, of course, at your own expense, you end up taking in their negativity their words become your own because they're echoed over and over in your head and then in your voice and you end up accepting in them as truth. They're not really your truth because they didn't originate with you. 
By then you can't tell anymore. You just can't distinguish your own thoughts from theirs. It's insidious and it happens slowly over time without awareness until it's too late. So imagine the relationship ends and before long, I've jumped both feet first into another one without doing any kind of work whatsoever to heal from the last one. What do you think would happen? I know what would happen. (laughs) I would be right back where I was. In the same situation, same doubts, same insecurities, different day, different guy. I didn't do that, but fortunately through therapy and other things I've done, I now speak to myself and others with much more compassion and kindness, and I'm a lot less judgmental than I have ever been. And I truly believe people are just doing their best. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm definitely a lot better than I was, and I keep trying to get better. I'm not 100%, and I don't know that I ever will be. And there's that saying, and I'm fond of sayings, how you do one thing is how you do all things. And I think that definitely applies here. Now, it's been almost two years since that time. And I'm not saying it took two years. I'm not saying it's going to take that long for you. But I was married 20, together for 24. So two years ain't nothing. (laughs) And I'm enjoying being on my own. I'm enjoying the freedom. I love it. This is the first time I've ever lived on my own. I moved from my parents' house and with my husband at the time. And I've been there ever since. And I used to joke with my daughter because we moved out around the same time she to college and me once my relationship ended. We're basically on the same journey, neither of us living on our own and something we're doing for the first time, except that I'm 20 years older. (laughs) So it's been a learning experience. And one thing I realized is I, I didn't need anyone to come and rescue me. There was no knight in shining armor, like the little girls growing up used to think would come and save the day. I know that's how I used to think, but I am saving myself and I've become my own hero. And now when people ask me, are you dating? I say, yeah, I'm dating myself. Uh, I'm no therapist, but I have heard it said that the qualities that we look for in our partners are the ones that we feel we lack in ourselves. And I don't know if you remember that movie, Jerry Maguire, where Tom Cruise says to Renee Zellweger, you complete me. That. Now, there's only one person that can complete you or me, and that's Brad Pitt. Just kidding. (laughs) It's you. (laughs) Only you can complete you and me. Only I can complete me. So what are some of the qualities I'd like to develop in myself and that, at least right now, I might even look for in a partner? Things like confidence, strength, compassion, kindness, adventurous giving, vulnerability, leadership, courage, the list goes on. Uh, You can probably tell I've thought a lot about this. I've had two years, people. But if you haven't, it's a great exercise to try. Just sit down, ask yourself, what are those qualities that attract you to someone else? List them out. You might find that like me, you actually want them in yourself. And that's what's attracting you to them. And sometimes what I think about and what is even more interesting to me is once you feel you've developed them, or at least you're on your way, would you still be attracted to that same person? Or would you be attracted to someone or something else? Someone different? I don't know. Mind blown. But regardless, I want to make sure I'm with someone for the right reason and not because they have something that I feel I lack and that somehow they're filling this gap within me. It's a work in progress. 
So if you get a chance, try and listen to the entire episode because it's kind of a soup to nuts conversation of relationship advice. And they really go into depth on a lot of different aspects of finding a partner, as well as suggestions on what to do depending on the stage you're at. And that can be helpful because we're all in different stages. And of course, I understand my story, not your story. Maybe you're not even looking to be in a romantic relationship, or maybe you're currently in a relationship, romantic or otherwise, that you'd like to make even better. Thing about improving your relationship with yourself is that, as I said earlier, it improves all the relationships in your life. One of the exercises that they mention in the show that I've done before and found helpful is writing letters. You could write a letter to maybe your younger self or to your future self or someone that's hurt you in the past and letting all that resentment and frustration out. And it's applicable to anyone at any time, regardless of trying to attract a partner or not. And living by myself after being in a household with five people, I've had to learn that even as an introvert, I'm not an island. I need people. If I want to attract and maintain deep connections with them, it has to start within me. When someone meets someone new, whether it be a moment, five-minute conversation, a couple hours, or whatever it may be, when is the appropriate amount of time to know that this person could be one of the people that you spend the rest of your life with, a long time with, could be your your love partner? When, when should we actually know in our gut, in our mind, and bring it together that, okay, this is the person? Is it a moment instance? Yes. Or is it once you learn after months? What do you think? It's very instant and immediate. So here's the thing. Society has brainwashed us to believe that love and identifying it takes time. That's a lie. In most situations, when it takes months, you have not fallen in love. You've learned to tolerate them. You've grown attached to them. All right. You've You've enjoyed a part of the process. It's Giving exactly. you connection. You're not lonely. Exactly. And and when you've invested months, you are more likely to not want to walk away from it because all the time and energy you put in. So now you mistake wow. your attachment to the investment as love, and it's not really love. When you sit down with people who can say they felt a real or they have a real connection with their partner, I think every story, I don't know of any one story that's opposite of this, they will all say it was pretty much instant. First date, you may not know 100% fact, I'm going to marry this person, but you knew the potential was there. You knew like this could be the one that, that at least came to mind. And so again, when, when we don't have that in that first conversation, that first day, it's unlikely. I'm not going to sit there and say it's impossible that it can happen days later or a week later or whatever. Um, but typically, and even if you can't articulate it as you knew they, were, they could be the one, When people look back, they can tell you that they felt something very strong in that initial engagement with their partner that said they knew something was different. They they may not even know what it was, but they knew, okay, this isn't normal. This isn't like the rest. Something's going on here. And then there's a full realization of this is it. What is that something that we can't understand, that feeling what is that called? Is that just like your your magnets connected to each other? Is that your energy is so attracted because there's so much opposites or it's so much similarities? What is that force that gets people to say there was something different about this person when I met them? I personally believe it's your spirit recognizing its match. 
Because there are, there are, if you speak to a lot of people um, of different religious beliefs, there's the belief that things happen in the spirit before they happen in the physical. All right. So it's almost like the spirit is ahead of us, which is why the spirit knows the truth, which is why intuition, gut instinct, third eye, whatever you want to call it, it always seems to be accurate because your spirit knows before you know. So we're feeling it within our spirit. The problem is it's getting our mind in tune with the spirit. It's allowing our heart to accept what the spirit is saying to us. But we feel it. We just don't know how to always explain it. Those who are very in tune with the spirit can recognize it much quicker and and accept it for what it is much quicker because they're very in tune already. Why is it so hard for our mind and our heart to get caught up to our gut or intuition of that initial explosion of chemistry? And also, can that explosion of connection and chemistry be harmful in a different way? Okay, so one, fear. Fear is the number one reason why we, we struggle to accept. So one of the things I explain to a lot of women, you know, and I have my membership group for them. So I, I've had this discussion where I say, listen, you know, the difference between intuition and fear is logical deduction. So when you're trying to analyze and break things down, that's your mind. All right. And fear is coming into that because you're saying, well, I shouldn't do this because of that or this can't be this because of that. Intuition requires no logic. Your spirit requires no logic. It simply feels, it senses, it knows. That's it. You don't have to explain it. Again, gut instinct doesn't require things to logically add up. It just tells you this is it or something's wrong or this is right or whatever the case may be. So fear is the number one thing. And that fear stems from lack of healing from past relationships. We, we've been down this road of emotional investment. We've gotten hurt before. We've been wrong in our lives about wanting to believe someone could be it. Even though we know this feels different, we still have the fear of disappointment that creeps back in. How do we and let so, go of that fear and not sabotage an amazing opportunity in a relationship? You got to heal from your past. There's no way around it. And this is why I say people who have not healed, they can meet their connection right now, the most amazing partner, and it will scare them to death. And they will either run, self-sabotage, something. It's going to be a problem because they have not healed. And when you have not healed, the vulnerability that's required in connection is so unlike anything else or with anyone else that if you don't have a, a, a level of confidence and again, a foundation of healing in your life, it seems way too overwhelming and scary. So you've got to heal in order to not find yourself sabotaging, run away, and, and not being able to embrace that real love. What if both parties come to something and there's this explosion of chemistry or just instant, like, wow, there's something different feeling, and both have not healed their past, but they stay together, they figure it out, and they're together is there going to be a lot of problems and trauma and stress that comes up over the years if they both haven't healed before they get into a relationship? Or can they heal in the relationship together? It is possible. Let me backtrack a little bit. First, let me say that people have to understand there is the such thing as right person, wrong time. All right. Mm-hmm. People don't want to believe that. There are a lot of people who reject that idea. They say, oh, if it's the wrong time, it's not the right person. That's not true. You can meet that individual that you have an amazing connection with, but both parties still need growth before they can come together. All right. And so now is what, ha- what happens if they come together and they haven't healed? 
So here's the thing. It is possible to get through that and survive and have a healthy relationship. It is unlikely for most people to survive being with someone you have a connection with and you have not healed. Again, most people won't even allow themselves to be with that person. They'll sabotage it so much. They'll, they'll dive in, but then they'll cheat or they'll, they won't respond to the person. They'll do something, right? Yes. And, and, and speaking of cheating, they, they tend to have a history of going back to an ex because the ex feels safer because it's not as vulnerable over there. All right. I can maintain more emotional control. It's familiar. So it's easier. So I've seen plenty of situations where, again, the connection was so overwhelming. So they ran back to their ex. No one they're not, they're not for the ex is not for them and they're not for their ex. But again, it just feels safer there. So, yes, a lot can go wrong if you try to be together when you have not healed and you have this connection. It would be best to acknowledge, OK, you know what? We got some work we need to do. We realize we have a connection here. Let's work on ourselves in the meantime before we take that next step. Can you heal while having sex with one or multiple partners for fun on the side. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's impossible, but again, highly unlikely. Um, sex is such a distracting thing. And we, we have to understand that so much can come from our sexual interactions. There can be new drama. There can be, hell, an unwanted pregnancy. There can be a, a host of things. And all of that will derail you in the healing process. You also have to be honest with yourself. You're, you may be having the sex because you're trying to distract yourself from the healing. Like the sex is just a coping mechanism for you. Same as drugs, same as alcohol. People turn to these things because they don't want to deal with their reality in life. So right. you've got to be honest. Are you trying to just bury your head in sexual interactions? Or is it just, if it's happening in a natural flow of life, okay, then, then there's a greater chance that you can survive this, but you got to be really careful. I would suggest cutting that off. Yeah. If you're trying to heal, you know, again, I don't want to say it's impossible, but you're going to make it extremely difficult and highly unlikely. For sure. I want to ask you about the best ways to meet someone these days, 2020 moving forward, the do's and don'ts for online dating. But what I'm hearing you say is that you shouldn't be trying to meet someone. You shouldn't be doing the online dating game until you've fully healed or at least started the process of healing because healing is a journey. Sometimes things take a lot longer to heal fully, um, but at least acknowledging and, and starting that process. What would be a process to start healing your past relationships or pains before we get into the conversation of do's and don'ts of online dating? Okay. So of course, going to a therapist or coach is the, the ideal thing to do. Um, you, you typically need that outside party that can help you process some things, help you see new perspectives and go through a process of healing. Now, I will be honest, not every coach or therapist is going to help someone heal. Sometimes it just turns into a venting session. So you've got to be real careful about, okay, if I've been going to this therapist or coach for many weeks or months now, what progress have I really made? Have I, have I been resolving or have I been coping? Because many are teaching you how to cope and manage and, and how to function within your brokenness, but they're not resolving it and helping you heal. Now, of course, you know, I'm big on healing. So I have my book, Love After Heartbreak, which gives people the exact steps to healing. So one of the steps, I'll give you the first step, is um, getting the hurt out in front of you. So it's this who hurt me list. And so you get a piece of paper, 
you write down who hurt me and you ask yourself the question, who hurt me? And now everyone who comes to mind, you put them on the paper. Doesn't matter if it happened very long ago. Doesn't matter if you think you moved past it. If they come to mind when you ask the question, then that means there's some kind of relevance there. And so now you put them on the paper and like two sentences of what they did to hurt you. This will now at least help us identify what you've been holding on to and where the hurt is and what needs to be properly addressed. And then from there, we can do the other steps of getting things off your chest and forgiveness and all these different things that's involved in healing. I love that. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of writing letters to people that you never send them, telling them how, you, how it made you feel, what you're, what you're frustrated and angry about with them, forgiving them, letting it go. And then I like to burn the letter and bury it as well in the, gro- <laughs> in the ground to hopefully create a sense of like... Okay, this was alive in me, and now I'm killing this, and this this feeling, this energy, and I'm I'm putting it to bed, and I'm putting it back in the world to hopefully create something new, to grow something new, and more loving and powerful, and create that intention. Uh, but I think that's really important. When should we know that we have are healed enough? How do we know when our healing has gone far enough down its journey before we should get into meeting someone new, putting ourselves out there on social media, online dating apps, and things like that. All right. Well, first thing I want to say is, now, there are going to be times where sending the letter to the person is actually the best thing to do. Really? Yes. A lot of people are scared about that, and it's a very difficult hurdle to jump. But I literally got a DM today from a woman who read the book. She wrote her letter last year. It was to her mother. She didn't want to send it. She held on to it. She says she just finally built up the courage because I, I tell them in the book, 99% of the time, I'm going to tell you to send the letter. Wow. And so she finally did it. And she said they end up having the best conversation they've ever had in their life. Now they're like the best of friends. Like it's taking their relationship to a whole new level. And, and it's not that's not the purpose of sending it. But there's so much good that can come from taking the extra step of actually sending the letter. And making sure that person is aware of how you felt and, and, and what you were going through. Now, in regards to knowing when you've properly healed, number one thing is when you can embrace being fully vulnerable with somebody. All right. If vulnerability still scares you, you have not healed enough. All right. You've got to be willing to open your heart. We can't say we want love and then put walls up around our heart and be afraid to give it to someone. You're contradicting yourself. You're working against yourself. So you've got to be willing to be vulnerable. You also have to make sure any negative perceptions that you've held onto due to past experiences, you've done away with them. So, for example, if you have been saying all men are dogs, because you've been hurt by so many men. Well, you can't be out there dating and still screaming, all men are dogs. That's not going to work in your favor. You've got to accept that good men exist, that you can receive a great man, that you deserve a great man. So when you have a more positive outlook and and way of thinking, and listen, we're going to all have our negative thought moments. That happens. But your dominant or more consistent thought pattern is positive, hopeful, and, and things of that nature now we, you, we can say you're ready to get back out there. How important is the language or the inner thoughts, the actual physical words we use in the inner language, the inner dialogue in terms of attracting or finding the right partner? It's extremely important. You know, we, we hear it all the time. Words are power. And the reality is that the words you speak to yourself, the thoughts you have, they will, whether knowingly or unknowingly to you, they will dictate your energy. 
the energy that you give off to people or the, the, the way that your spirit comes across to individuals. And so you can put on a happy face, but if your thought is negative, pessimistic, all right, and dwelling in this, then your energy will still be negative. All right, what you do on the surface isn't going to be able to hide that, which is why you have some people who swear, well, I'm not a bad person. Yeah, but you're not a positive person. All right, right. You, you can be good people, but no, you are miserable. And, 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 it's, and it's not even just you're miserable like you're, you're dwelling in it in your life, but you give off miserable energy. And so who's going to want to be around that? Who's going to want to commit to that? At the most, they might want to have sex with you, but they're not going to want to tie themselves to you in a committed long-term relationship or marriage. And people can feel that energy. What, I don't care if you're a man, woman, or in between. Some, you can feel the energy of someone. And if you haven't healed properly yourself, you may be attracted to a wounded individual to then try to find some validation or try to find some connection there. And that's why it's important for you to heal so that you can fully see the energy around you and see who is a potential great match for you. Because if you haven't healed, you're going to keep attracting negativity and repeating certain patterns. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. And, and if you talk to any person who has healed, they can tell you how they feel energy even more now where they become more aware. It's so much easier to see past the facades that so many people are putting up because now healing allows us to get more in tune with our spirit. And by getting more in tune with our spirit, we get more in tune with everyone's spirit because technically we are all connected through the spirit, all right? And so it's easier to be in touch with that when you get away, get rid of the blockage of trauma, past disappointments and hurts, disappointments, things of that nature. It's powerful stuff, man. I'm still trying to get to my, one of my first questions, which is what's the best way to meet someone these days in online dating? But it sounds like that's so far ahead of what you need to be thinking about first. Like, have I started to heal? Are there people who have hurt me? Are there people that I need to apologize to? You know, all these different things. It's almost like you got to do the work before you can start doing the work of finding someone. Absolutely. So I think it's important for us to remind people of this process first before we say, okay, you've done the work. You've started the process of healing. You feel like you can open your heart and be vulnerable to anyone and it's not going to hurt you and cripple you. Now, once you've done that, what's the best way to meet someone these days? Well, that's all I have for this week. If you're interested in learning more about Lewis and Stefan's conversation, check out the School of Greatness podcast, episode 994, Secrets of Attraction, Dangers of Sex, and Keys to Finding the One with Stefan Speaks. Links to that and both their social media profiles are included in the show notes below. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with someone you think might benefit. And until next time, thanks for listening.